must got slain in the Holy Ghost, fell on the knob. Hallelujah. Now listen to me, I'm telling you, the Bible says that God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destruction. Now, now I am not into disrupting the preacher. I, I'm not. And if you attend church here, you know I just tell people, shut up. Just sit down and shut up. But tonight, when the man of God is preaching and the healing power of God sets you free, some that are deaf, your ears are going to be healed. Cataract blindness, deteriorating of sight, your eyes are just going to become clear. And when you hear, when you can see, when that crippled leg begins to move and the pain leaves, don't wait. Just say, I hate to interrupt, but God has just touched me. Jump to your feet, shout it out, because you are not going to mess anything up. It is in line in order tonight to declare what the word that the man of God is preaching is doing in your life. Could I get an amen? Come on, it's going to penetrate you. It's going to free you. It's going to deliver you. It's going to restore you. It's going to mend you. It's going to repair you. It's going to refresh you. Come on, it's going to renew you. It's going to invigorate you. It's going to loose areas of joy, of celebration. It's going to break depression. It's going to break discouragement. You're going to rise up and they're going to say, watch out, another Lazarus has come forth. Come on, we're going to shout what God has done for the spirit that raised him from the dead. He dwells in us, and he will quicken our mortal body. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, the spirit of God is here to break the power of darkness over our lives. Hallelujah. So tonight, when the man of God preaches, praise God, the word is going to do what the word is going to do. It is looking for somebody to set free. It's looking for somebody to heal. Remember, Jesus said, this is what God sent me to do, that I should go from village to village, preaching and teaching and healing all those that are sick in the midst of them. Listen, that same word is alive tonight, and it's that same word, and it's been sent forth, and its job is to heal and to deliver. Come on, to make us new, to transform us, to revolutionize us. Come on, to lift us up, to set us apart from the old man, and to bring us into the new man. I'm telling you, that will happen tonight because the word is upholding everything that God has declared about us by the power that is in every syllable of that word. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, God is about to do something for you and I that we have never seen, people have never seen, the world has never seen, but God has been expecting and waiting for it to happen. Tonight, somebody say tonight. Tonight is the night of my, of my salvation. Come on, now is the day. Hallelujah. The fullness of what God has redeemed us for will manifest in our lives today in a way that has never been manifested. Praise God. Without any further ado, let's stand to our feet and let's give our special speaker tonight, God's man of faith and power. Right now he's coming and he's going to minister us, Brother Bill Winston. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for the privilege of speaking at this church. Thank you for the anointing that's on this house, upon the leadership here, upon me and these lips of clay, that I do speak this word with excellence, accuracy, and boldness, asking you to think through my mind, speak through my lips, and this word shall come forth unhindered, unchecked by any outside force. And now, Lord, we fully expect signs, wonders, and miracles to confirm the word preach. We give you praise and call it done. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen. amen. Take your seats, please. Amen. I'm going to give you this right here. Two members on the pulpit. I don't want to end up preaching somebody else's message here. Well, I bid you greetings from Chicago, where God lives. He lives here, too. He lives here, too. Amen. God doesn't have to go anywhere to be everywhere. And thank you so much for having me out. Thank you, Pastor. Give Pastor Peter a hand clap. And Pastor Phyllis, praise God. Amen for the work that they're doing. It's good to have a pastor that believes in the Bible. You know, and a lot of times we... Going to places now, we kind of substitute entertainment for the anointing. And uh, it's caused some major problems here in the church, but we, we're bringing it back. Say amen to that. Amen. Well, let's get right into the Word of God. Um, I'd like you to turn with me to Joel, J-O-E-L, and that's Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Now, the things I'm going to talk about today are some things that are dear to my heart, um, just some of the things that the Lord has done that's been really powerful, but I'm, I'm going to talk about them through a message that I'm going to preach, and we're going to call it, for lack of other titles, we'll call it Restoring the Years, Restoring the Years. So over in the book of Joel, J-O-E-L, um, the prophet Joel talks about this, and he talks about in, in, in chapter 2 of Joel, and I'm going to read the beginning of that chapter, I'll read um, uh, the second part of that chapter, but the beginning of that chapter is very key, uh, because it really talks about the church, talk about where the church uh, is today, and I'm just going to set my clock here, church where the church is today, and um, a lot of people haven't seen this, they haven't really read Joel in terms of him talking about the church, and um, hey, what, I see a little thing down here, okay, I'll just put it down here, and, um, and he talked about the church, and talk about the church that you, you've never seen anything like the church before the church came, and you'll never see anything like the church after the church leaves. That this church is to be the most powerful institution in the world ever, ever. Now this is, that's good news. And, uh, but it shows you, uh, as God had planned for the church and what the church is supposed to do, it kind of covers it in here. But I'm going to go to the, the last part of this. 
and um, I'll start reading at verse 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, which has, uh, uh, the Lord your God, uh, rejoice in the Lord your God, which has given us the former rain moderately, and will cause to come down for us the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I'll restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the pommel worm, that great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, which has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. Uh, pardon me. Yes, I am in the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Very, very, very strong reading here. Now this reading when I started verse 23, we basically are talking about rain. And rain here is symbolic of the anointing, of the anointing, the rain. He said, I'm going to pour out the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Basically, they're almost going to come together. And when you're talking about that, you're talking about the former rain mainly for the evangelism and the latter rain mainly for the beautifying of the church. So these two are going to be kind of playing out together. And then he says that I'll restore to you the years that the canker worm is eaten. And now I know the tendency is for us to think of our own self, our own lives, and saying, hey, God's restoring something in my life. Well, that's true, but that's not going back far enough. He's saying that I'm going to restore the years all the way back to Adam. And I'm going to restore some things that have been taken away, so forth and so on. Um, he also talks about there not be any shame. So the rain, the anointing, is going to wash away shame in people's lives and in the life of the church. And he said, then I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, when he says pour out my spirit, he's saying here the Holy Spirit. But he's talking about the anointing that's going to be poured out upon the entire church. Now, this is different from the Old Testament. And by the way, there's a whole lot of things that are different <laughs> about from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And sometimes uh, because people don't know that, they have never taken advantage of it. Uh, if you just in your own you know, spare time uh, call your attention to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 1, um, verses 1 through 3, he says, And I return and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of such that were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of the oppressor there was power. And what he's saying is that the power 
wasn't on the side of the people like Abraham or um, Jacob or so forth. The power in the Old Testament was on the side of the oppressor. And the reason why it was is because no, Jesus hadn't come yet to shift the power. Um, and, and I don't think some people know that sometimes. So they look at the Old Testament, look at Job's life or whatever have you, and sometimes make evaluations about their life. Well, if you're a Christian, if you're living under the New Testament, remember what he said. He said that the latter end, um, a lot of, in the latter part of us, that, that shall be greater than the, I want to get that scripture right. He said that the, uh, yeah, better, this is coming out of Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Now, I'm a stickler for this word. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. He says it over also in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 40. So we're saying that the end, what he said in Ecclesiastes, is it was better not to be born under that Old Testament when you compare it with the New. And the reason why is because the first thing you get in the New Testament is you're no longer accounted righteous, you become righteous. Uh, one of the next things that's happened is you get an intercessor. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it says that, that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of, of, of the Father interceding for us. Now, they didn't have that in the Old Testament. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. Remember what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand before, or stand in the gap before me for the land, but I found none. Now he's saying he needed somebody to stand in the gap. He said there was no intercessor. So Job experienced some things that perhaps in the New Testament you don't have to experience because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us and giving us a better covenant than was in the Old Testament. Now, I'm only saying that because a lot of times people take themselves and they look at the Old Testament and they say, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to live, so forth and so on. The, you are under a better covenant. And true enough, there are truths in the Old Testament. You carry them right forth in the New Testament. But I'm saying that we have better promises. We have something a little bit better. And if you don't know that, sometimes you can die without some of your stuff. Well, I'm determined not to let myself die without my stuff or the people that I preach to. Say amen to that. Amen. All right. So, Joel, he's talking about here restoration. Now, <clears throat> let's keep going with this because I want to first share, I want to walk through this thing. I want to make it so that it makes sense when you get to the end of it. You're going to enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> over... In Matthew's gospel, Jesus mentions, he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now that's found in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. Son of Man has no place to lay his head head. Now, you and I know 
he's not talking about laying down because when he was going across on the ship, he, his head was resting on a pillow. So he was laying down. So we know he's not talking about that. Now I'm going somewhere with this. So he is saying that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now if I come to Ephesians chapter 4, I read here in verse 11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto um, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now one of the reasons why I and your pastors have been called and apostles and so forth is that we are supposed to be taking and teaching the body of Christ so that they can come into maturity. Take them from milk to meat and have them to come into maturity. Now, to the fullness of Christ. In other words, when you see him, you'll be like him, that we are supposed to be imitators of God. So basically, he wants us to grow up. Why? So the Son of Man will have somewhere to put his head. You see, he can't put his head on a baby body. So you being the body of who? Christ. You've got to grow up so that the head can come in place and the work of God can be finished here in the earth. Y'all with me? All right. Now, the way people grow is through teaching. Preaching is done to inspire. You'll get miracles, so forth and so on. But when Jesus came to his own hometown, he could do no mighty works. That's what it says in Mark chapter 6. He could do no mighty works. And then it says that he went about teaching. Why? Because teaching brings maturity. Teaching changes the image that is inside so that the people can do what God has called them to do. Are you with me here? All right. Next, I made some, some points to myself that I want to make sure I bring out. Next, the light of the world. Now, the Bible says in Psalm chapter 82 and verse 5 that the whole world lieth in darkness. Now when it says that, he was talking in Psalm 82 about God standeth in the congregation of the mighty and judgeth among the gods. How long would you judge unjustly except the persons of the wicked Selah? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Rid them out of the hands of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said you are gods and all of you are children of the Most High. But if you don't know it, you're going to die like a man. And that's what he said in Psalm 82. Now, what is he saying? They're walking on in darkness. Darkness. 
darkness. All of a sudden, the Supreme Court says it's okay for a man to marry a man. Okay? Now, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not angry with them. I'm not angry with them. They're walking in what? Darkness. You can't get angry with them. Any man walking in all the light he has. See? See? So the problem with the world is the church. Because we are the light of the world. But if you take a light and put it under a bushel basket, there's nothing there. Not meant to just sit around in church and just have church all day and every day and just have church every day and all day and listen to good music and kick over the church benches and, you know, so forth, have some, some auxiliaries and so forth. That's fine. And the devil doesn't care how long you do that as long as you don't take back what's out there outside of these rooms. You, don't, you can care less. Now, I'm not criticizing. I'm just giving some observations. So now, the world needs light. And he said over in Matthew's Gospel, and I think it's 5 and 16, he said, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father. Now notice what he did say. Works. Works. Now this is something because sometimes we think we can just talk our way into thinking that you know, people will change or, or leadership will, will uh, we can install new leadership, so forth and so on. And that's, that's a good thought. That's a start. But the Bible talks about, in Psalm 110, verse 3, that the people will be willing in the day of thy power. People will be willing in the day of thy power. In fact, in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is taking over leadership from Moses. And here's what the men that were following Moses said to Joshua. Here's what they said to him. They said, according as we have hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with you as he was with Moses. <laughs> so wait a minute. Hold up. We're going to follow you. We don't, we don't mind doing that. But make sure that the same God that was with Moses is with you. In other words, we're going to look for some proof. Are y'all following what I'm saying? that we're looking, we're looking to see, is God with you? Because in godly leadership, it has proof. Now, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. That's all right. Now, I wanted to show you another one. And this is found in the book of Exodus. And this is Exodus chapter 7. Just sit here. It's going to get good. Exodus chapter 7. 
And this is found in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 8. He says, this is God talking to Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show me a miracle for you. Now notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, If Pharaoh asked for a miracle. He said, When he asked. You're going to go down there and face the most powerful government of that day. The man over it is going to ask to see your proof of your God. Now, can you show him? Now, that's what he's going to ask for. So I'm saying two things. One, to get Christians to go the right way, we're going to need miracles. We're going to need the supernatural. We're going to need somebody whose God is with them. To get the the heathen, the ones in darkness, to turn loose from those dead gods and witchcraft and all the tarot cards and everything that they got, we're going to have to demonstrate the power of God. There's no way out of it. The church is spoken by Joel as the most powerful institution on the earth ever. And when we leave, there'll be nothing anywhere close to the power of the church. Can I keep going? Now, what's the end game? It's brought out, Psalm 110 and verse 1, and also Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, the end game. He said, Jesus said he's going to sit there until we make his enemies our what? Footstool. Gonna sit right there. It's not up to him. It's up to the church. I said it's up to the church. And he would not call us to do something that without without giving us the ability to make it happen. Isn't that good? So now, the church. Now, basically, what has the church preached? Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, please. The New Testament, Matthew chapter 10. Now, there's a lot of other things in here, but I'm just talking about now the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, this is Jesus training up the disciples. And look at verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, come on, help me, raise the dead, come on, cast out demons, come on, freely you have received, come on, freely you give. Now, notice what he called it. He called it the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Now, for most part, we preach the gospel of salvation, and that is fine, folks. 
But that's not where it stops. That's kind of like buying this huge new home and standing in the foyer and bringing your bed out to the foyer and sleeping in the foyer and cooking some hot dogs and some marshmallows over the fire you're building. You, you haven't made it to the other rooms. And so this gospel many times of salvation has been preached, but the gospel of the kingdom, which does include salvation, many times it hadn't been preached because when the gospel of the kingdom is preached, towns and cities will be transformed. Now, so he sent the disciples to preach the gospel. Now, Paul preached the gospel of the kingdom. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, he said, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Also in Acts 28 and 30, he talked about him preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, you know Paul went through all kinds of things. He was shipwrecked, beat, everything else, even raised from the dead. Said in verse 30, and Paul dwelt, this is the last chapter in the book of Acts, dwelt two whole years in his own house and received all that came unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Wow! This brother Paul was so powerful, governments couldn't stop him. You know, I, uh, I look to see what Megan got when she married Prince Harry. <laughs> now, I know y'all want to know where he's going now. Where is he going now? I'm going to a good place. So I looked to see it. had one of my uh, staff. She looked it up to see what did Megan get when she married Prince Harry. And I want to show you this. And here's what she got. First, they showed her getting baptized. Okay. Now, they showed her getting, they didn't show her getting blessed because you don't show that. I've got a video at home that the blessing that the, 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 the priest put on the king or the prince of Great Britain, you can't see it. It's not a public thing. She got a name changed. Now, this is all listed on the internet, so I'm not pulling any punches. Got a name change. She got a tiara or a crown. Now, so far, that sounds just like a believer. Let me speak over here. So far, that sounds just like a believer. <laughs> she got a vault of jewels. She got 
real estate. She got a royal fishery, whatever that is. I got to go do some study on that. She got security. <coughs> she got training. Now, all this is like the believer. She got citizenship. Now, that's what it says over in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It talks about the fact that we have become citizens of heaven. She got gloves. Now, I don't know whether that's boxing gloves or what, but she got some gloves. And she got a coat of arms, and she got to design it. Whatever that coat of arms was, that insignia. And she got this name, Duchess. Now, I'm only saying this because when you married, you married up. Now, I'm not talking about natural husband. I'm talking about a joint heir with Christ. Now, think about it. You got all those things and more. See, if somebody don't want to believe the Bible, just believe Megan. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. So what did he say? The Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? Power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live how? By faith. All right. Now we're about to get into what I'm going to get into tonight. Now, <laughs> now look, I'm going to Hebrews now. In Hebrews chapter 10, and here's what he says, verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Wow. What promise? The promise God made to Abraham. What did he promise him? That he would inherit the world. That's what he promised him in Romans chapter 4, verse 13 and 16. That he'd inherit the world. And those promises that he promised Abraham and the blessing was a material blessing. He picked up the spiritual part of that from Jesus. Bible says, the Bible says one Abraham into his seed as one, but as, as many for thy seed, which is Christ. So this phys physical part of material part of the blessing came through Abraham. The spiritual part of the blessing came through Jesus. And that's why I said in the Old Testament, Abraham could not cast out one devil. Why? Because the power was not on his side. Jesus came and shifted the power. Now the power is on the side of the believer. He can tell the devil to do whatever he wants him to do. So, let's pick up with Jesus. 
So here's Jesus coming in in Mark's gospel. In Mark chapter 1, we see here in verse 10, and straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit of a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wow. So here is Jesus. Now, Jesus is getting baptized. Now, watch this. Now, after he got baptized, he got also uh, the power of God, the heavens open, and the power descended upon him. Notice, two steps. One was within. That's called a well. The other one was a pond. That's called a river. And I'm saying that when I got born again, I got baptized, and I was going to the church because I was, I mean, I was, when I got baptized, I mean, when I got saved, I really needed saving. I mean, I, I, just, I, I can't tell you how bad I needed saving. And so God, on his mercy, saved me, and here I was in the church, but they didn't believe in being spirit-filled. They said, no, some of that, that's passed away. I understand. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. Son of man has no place to lay his head. Why? Because the head is still kind of a bait. The body is still immature. So what we got to do is got to get the body mature because Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, that as long as they're um, immature, they're going to act like a slave. And so what we got to do is grow the body up so the head could come back and so now the old thing can be over with and the power of God will be in this earth. Say amen to that. So notice, Jesus had to get, get, get power. He had to get power. Now somebody said, now wait a minute, now that's the son of God. I knew it was the son of God. But he could not function as God. He had to function as the son of God of God, watch this, coming through a woman as a man anointed by God. Now, I'm going to show you proof of that because over in John's gospel, chapter 5, it says here in verse 26, for as the father has uh, life in himself, so he has given to the son to have life in himself and that has given him to have authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. He only had authority because he was a son of man. If he functioned as God, he would be illegal and the devil would have him. And the devil knew that. The devil said, you one place, he said, you can't touch me. I know who you are. You are God. Jesus said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He could do that because the only one that could have authority in the earth was the ones that will call man. They were born here. Say amen to that. Now, I'm saying God drew up the rules himself. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, and over all the earth. Now, God is backing you. He is waiting to get in on the deal, but he can't get in unless he's invited in. He can't get in unless you give him permission. If he comes in and casts out the devil without anybody in the earth being involved in it, and he just takes over, he will violate the covenant that he had with the earth and with mankind. So he can't do it. He needs you to pray so he can get his work done. He needs you to cast out devils so he can move in. 
Say amen to that. So now, here's Jesus. Now he's 30 years old. No real trace of miracles happening. Till now he's coming and he was tempted in Luke chapter 4 by the devil. The devil said, if, took him up to a high mountain, said, if you read the Son of God, you cast yourself down or whatever have you. He said, all this will I give you. Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. So now Jesus comes in the synagogue and introduces himself in verse 18 of Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Glory to God. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then what did he do? He closed the book and sat down, and the eyes of all them in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, they hated him for this. Because the religious people said, now he's calling himself the Messiah. Okay? The Christ. Say, Wait a minute here. Mm -mm. Now jealousy and everything else. They tried to push him off a cliff and couldn't do it. All right, now, why do I want to show you this? Because Jesus said something. He walked the earth fed five 20,000 people. He walked the earth healing the leper, causing blind eyes to be opened, lame to walk. As a matter of fact, if you put up there in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, it says here in verse, starting at verse 29, it says, and Jesus departed from thence, and he came unto the Sea of Galilee, and he went up to the mountain, and he sat down there, and a great multitude came unto him, having with them that were those that were lame, blind, dumb, and maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. Watch this. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be made whole, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, I want you to see this because it's, 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 it's getting kind of strong here. It says that Jesus healed the maimed. What is a maimed person? A maimed person is a person maybe missing a limb or maybe missing an organ, maybe a person's been born deformed, or maybe a person has had some disease, they had to cut a limb off, or maybe they've been in the war and their legs got shot off, or something. Jesus healed them all. Are y'all with me? Now, not only did he heal them all, look at John, John chapter 6, please. Over in John chapter 6, this is where... He fed them all. Now this is John chapter 6. It says here, starting at verse 5, And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come to him, and he said to Philip, Now where can we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered and said, Two hundred penny worth of, not, 
of bread not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. And his disciples, uh, and a disciple, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a lad here. Now he has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what is that among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. All right, now follow me. Jesus was anointed. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, 38, with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Watch this, because God was with him. Notice now, he came up out of that water, here comes the power. So here Jesus got the power. Now notice what he's doing, healing the lame, healing the maimed. He's here, he's about to feed 5,000 plus women and children. Now wait a minute, their problem wasn't a shortage of money. Their problem was a shortage of the confidence in the anointing. You see, it, it, when you, Lord, when that anointing is working, it removes shortages. All right, are, are you with me now? Stay with me. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But, but their knowledge of this anointing, see, you got to understand, when you put it in Jesus' hands, you've just put it into the hands of the anointing of multiplication. See, when you have shortage in your life as a believer, it's not, he said, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Of knowledge. That this is, they, oh, Lord have mercy. So here is Jesus. <laughs> All right, look, look, look here, here's another one. Glory to God. Oh, we, okay. All right. I'm trying to get there with you. Praise God. I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose you. Look what he says in Colossians in chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Are you with me? Yes. All right. Look what it says in verse 25. Where am I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God? This is the apostle Paul talking. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now it's made manifest to his saints. Watch this to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ where? In you, what? The hope of glory. Now notice what he's saying. Now wait a minute. <laughs> Christ means the anointing, the anointed one and his anointing. Christ. The Hebrew Messiah, the Greek Christos, Christ. What is it? One place in, in Ecclesiastes, in Isaiah chapter 10, 27, it says it's his burden removing, what? Yoke destroying power. Another place, it's God's power, watch this, coming on human flesh. 
to do what only God can do. Stay with me now. Here's what Zacharias says in 4. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by army, not by natural strength, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, I want you to get this. Because he said in Samuel, glory to God. Can I go through these scriptures with you, please? Over in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel and chapter 2. Here's what he says, and this is verse 10. No, no, no. Verse 9. He will keep thy feet of the feet of the saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. See, by human strength, you're not going to do this. You're going to do it by the power I'm going to supply you. Now, the confidence in that anointing is shown in Matthew chapter 8. When the centurion comes to Jesus, he said, Hey, uh, uh, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. Come, I, I need you to heal him. He said, I will come and heal him. Watch this. Here's what centurion said. You don't need to come to the house. Just speak the word right there and my servant shall be healed. But wait a minute. I want to show you confidence in the anointing. Confidence in the one that was on him, in him. He said this, I will come and heal him. Watch this. Here's what he didn't say. What he got. How, how long has he had that? What, what is the doctor's diagnosis? It didn't make any difference. If he was missing an organ, he got it replaced. If he was missing a limb, he got it replaced. If he was missing eyeballs, he got it replaced. And I'm telling you, the anointing is so strong, it is God himself restoring the years that the canker worm has taken away, folks. Ah, Lord, you got to get this. I will come and heal him. Doesn't make any difference what he's got. I remember when I started the ministry in Minnesota, we were still with IBM at that time, and we had started the church because God was calling me, and I knew he was calling me, so we started a little church and so forth. But one day I got a call at home, and they said, hey, pastor, come quick. So-and-so is in the hospital. I guess uh, something had happened and, 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 and so forth, and this lady's daughter and so forth. I said, okay, all right, I'll go. I said, but I'm going to finish my mowing my lawn first, and I'm going to finish eating, and then I'll be over there. And so we did it, went to, the hospital, went to the hospital. When I went to the hospital, she saw me in the hall. Oh, oh Regina, I'm glad you're here. I said, hey, you're going to have to stop that because that can't help us. I said, this anointing that's on us is released by faith. And I said, that, that right there is not faith. I said, I appreciate your boo-hoo, but that's not going to get us this is your daughter healed. And so what happened? Now, I'm telling you, I'm not being hard. I was being scriptural. Because when Jesus came to the house and Jairus' daughter died, he had to put them out. So all the weeping and wailing. Because I appreciate that. I appreciate you feeling sorry for somebody and so forth. But make sure your faith stays intact. Because it's only your faith going to release this anointing that's going to deliver your child. So what happened is I went in there and the child had tubes all over, had turned completely blue. And I said, okay, you get on that side, I'll get on this side. I said, now I'm going to put my hand on this side of her temple. You put your hand on that side. Oh, I said, hey, stop that. I said, put your hand. See, I want her to learn. I want her to learn because this is not for the preacher, it's for the reacher. 
It's for anybody that will go out and do this. Some, somehow you think the preacher's supposed to do all of this, and it's, that's what's kept the body of Christ where it is. And so what happened is I put my hand on that side of the head. Uh, he, he, uh, uh, she put her hand on that side. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. If they're right there, right there, let that anointing flow. Now notice what I didn't do. Don't need all of that. I said, you don't need all of that. You need words filled with faith. I said, she will be up and walking in three days. See, with the anointing, you got to call it because you got the authority. The anointing is God. It ain't going to move past what you say. This day shall the Lord deliver you into my hand, Goliath. Not next week. If David had said next week, you would have had to wait till next week because God can't move past the line that he drew. So what has happened now? I will come and heal him. I don't care what he's got. I don't care how long he's had it. And I don't care what the doctor said. The anointing overrides everything because it's the thing that made it in the first place. The power of God. So, what's happening now? Jesus is getting ready to leave. John chapter 14. And this is what he says. Verse 10. Believe thou not that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he's doing the work. Uh-oh. Now we're about to get into some revelation. Folks, Jesus' own words saying, it's not me. It's the Father in me. He's doing the work. I was, I was, I was ministering outside again. We were in Minnesota still. I was regional marketing manager in computers in IBM in Minnesota, and I said, I, you know, we were having meetings, and I, I was kind of praying about it and I said let's have a meeting outside the park so we had a meeting in the park and I preached the gospel then I said God wants to heal the sick because I'm listening at all Charles and Francis on his tapes and all uh, Lester Summer I'll say oh, listen everybody you know and and I said let's go let's go forward so we preached the gospel and then I said whoever needs healing come up so a lady comes up she said uh, I said what's wrong with her, her friend was with her she said she, she can't feel her face. I said, all right, step up, you lady. She said, I said, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> be healed. She said, I can feel my face. I said, lady, Jesus healed you. Here's what she said. No, he didn't. 
I said, well, who healed you? She said, you healed me. I said, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Don't get me in trouble here now. I said, I didn't heal you. God healed you. And I, she said, no, he didn't. And I had a time convincing her. You know why? Because of the scripture in Colossians that I just read. That Christ in you is a mystery. A mystery is something beyond human comprehension. People sometimes have no idea that water baptism is a mystery. We've had people baptized in water after 20 years of cocaine come up totally free. Holy Communion is a mystery. It is a time of healing. You drink that and what flows in Jesus flows in you. <laughs> Praise is a mystery. <laughs> Can I take a little bit more time with you? Praise is, see, when you pray, God sends angels. But when you praise, he comes himself. He inhabits, come on, the praises of his people. Foot washing is a mystery. It drives out pride. Folks, all this is mysteries. He says it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, it's not given. Christ in you. He's in there right now. He's in there right now. <laughs> well, I can't feel him. Start working. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to just sit down in the chair and feel electric. No, no. You take his word for it that Christ is in you. What he says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he, come on, that is in the world. Whatever you come up against, the greater one rises up higher. He said in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, he says, that is given to you. No, he says that you have an unction from the Holy One and you know everything. Say this with me. I'm a know-it-all. Know you are designed to solve every problem that's out there. Every problem. It doesn't make any difference what the problem is. Your company and so forth. That's why David got uh, Joseph or whoever got elevated. It's just solving problems. Wisdom is designed to promote you. And wisdom is part of that anointing. For those aspects of the anointing, by the way, go to Isaiah chapter uh, 11 and verse three, uh, uh, verse two, and you'll see all the aspects of the anointing. Now, let me just finish up here. Are y'all with me? Look at verse twelve. Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And what else? Greater works than these shall he do because I'm what? Because I'm what? I'm going to my who? My father. Isn't that powerful? So whatever Jesus did, you're going to do too. Watch this. And what else? Greater works. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just settle for the works. Just let me do the works if I just do the works. Two women. We evangelize on Saturdays in Chicago. So two women went out together. We send people out two by two from the church. So they're going down the west side of Chicago, the roughest side. And here they are going down the street. And here comes a man smartly dressed coming toward them on the sidewalk. And they said, excuse me, sir. I said, yes. Um, have you ever been introduced to Jesus? Have you ever uh, received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know who I am? He said, no, who, who are you? I am chief of the of big gang in Chicago. They said, oh, okay. See that, cattle, that Mercedes over there? They're watching my back. See that Mercedes over there? They're watching my back. See that Mercedes there? They're watching my back. Now what you get from that is the world's got all the Mercedes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and notice what happened. He said, I go around from place to place, live at different places, got different houses. They listened for a while and they said, one of them said this. Her name is Doris Bowley. She owns, she owns McDonald's, about three McDonald's. She said, uh, well, shake my hand then. He reached out. Contact was made. The anointing flowed and fell out on the sidewalk. Watch this. Mercedes pulled up from everywhere. Everybody was strapped. You know what I mean by that? He said, what did you do to him? He said, nothing. The Holy Ghost just arrested him. What? He got up and got saved. You know why? Pharaoh said, show me some power. We're getting to a place now that we can't avoid that any longer. You've got the power inside of you. And all you need is confidence to get it to flow. We've got more confidence in sickness than we do in healing sometimes. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. We said, what I do, you'll do too. One more revelation. Let's go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2. Are you getting something out of this? 2 Kings chapter 2. This is when Elijah was about to be taken up to heaven. And he was teaching an understudy named Elisha. So now, 
Elisha, he asked Elisha, what do you want? Why, why are you following me so close? He said, I want a double portion of what you got. Somebody say greater works. I don't want what you got. I want a double portion of what's on you. He said, well, if you see me when I leave, that's what you're going to get. Verse 12, and it says, and Elijah saw it, and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. But what fell from him was his mantle, fell on the ground. And he picked it up. And he went to the waters. And this is what he did. He struck the waters. <laughs> Where is the Lord God of Elijah? The waters split. And he went over just like the Red Sea. What he didn't ask for is where is Elijah? Because he knew it wasn't Elijah doing the miracles. It was the anointing on Elijah. It's not you doing the miracles. Your job is to have confidence in him to do the miracles. Now he can flow through you. He's got to be authorized. And I'm saying to you tonight that this is your season. When that anointing is present, you won't even experience lack. It removes it. I was, we were recently bought another piece of property for 3.5 million. And he says, uh, I said, you know, we got to get the money in now, so here's the property, this is what we're gonna do with it, with our youth ministry and so forth. And money coming in slow as molasses. I said, what are you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to sow a seed. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> he said, now you're talking. And he said, not only sow it, decree it. Say when you're going to have the money. He said, got it. So, there was somebody believing for something. I sold it. And this is what I said. That money will be in here by July. Now this is probably April. And we've been believing God for a number, a couple of years at least. And do you know what? When I said that, the anointing went to work. Most of the money didn't even come in from these people in the congregation. I don't, it doesn't make any difference where it's coming in. If it's in the earth, it's got to come to me. 
We had the money so fast that the guy who sold the property to us discovered he sold it to us too cheap. And he, he, he then said, listen, now, y'all don't need to buy all this at once. Uh, we said, no, we buying it right now. Here's cash money. We don't owe nobody anything. We don't believe in debt, so we're going to buy it right now. Here it is. See, God will meet you at your point of belief. I will come and heal him. He's going to lead you into a fight you can't win. He's going to lead you to a piece of property you can't afford. <laughs> He's going to lead you into a problem you can't solve. Let me tell you this last thing. So here I was, got a call from one of my members of church. My boss would like to see you. I said, who's your boss? She said, a chairman of one of the Fortune 500 companies headquartered in Chicago. I said, is that right? So why does he want to see me? He wants, he wants to see somebody that can tell him what to do for black male youth in Chicago. I said, oh, okay. So I went out there to see him. Reverend, uh, you know, I was uh, meeting with a guy uh, who owns uh, chairman of Newsweek magazine. He and I were talking, and we were talking out of Chicago Club, and he asked me, what am I doing for the black male youth of Chicago? I didn't have an answer for him, Reverend. He said, and then it kind of bothered me, so I went home, and my daughter, who's a lawyer, she asked me the same question. He said, now this thing is about to bother me. I want you to tell me what I can do for the black male youth in Chicago, is what I told him. I cannot tell you what you can do right now, but in seven days, I'll tell you exactly what to do. What was I doing? Having confidence in the anointing, because I'm a know-it-all. I said, I am a know-it-all. So are you. Now, if you don't say anything, he doesn't do anything. Say it! Well, it might not happen. Well, you're in doubt. You're right. Won't happen. Get yourself in that Bible until you believe it. Then say it and watch what's going to happen. So what did I do? I said, okay. I went home, prayed about it, took Mark eleven twenty four. 24, believe I've received it, and went ahead. Praise God every day. Next thing you know, the answer came through on paper about this size. And so I put a number of pieces together, maybe seven pieces. I have a PowerPoint on each page. And I came back to him in seven days, began to go through the PowerPoint. And when I got to the fourth page, he said, that's it, Reverend. You see, the Bible says no man can gainsay or resist the wisdom of God. Watch this. He said, I've got $40,000 in my chairman's fund now. Can you take that? I said, nope, nope, nope. I said, we haven't put up a bank account yet and everything. You've got to have a good accounting for this. He said, Reverend, here's my cell phone. Here's everything. He said, you, you let me know what I need to do here. People running after money need to run after wisdom. The wisdom of God made money. and it'll control it in the earth. Folks, the, the, the weakest power 
in the earth is money. The strongest power is prayer. Don't ever forget that. Now what I want to say to you now, what I gave you is a drive-by. He preached it one time. All you have to do is get a copy of the teaching and go through it. Now, a lot of times these pastors have been trying to do all the work. That ain't the way the deal's supposed to work. Sheep beget sheep. And God wants you to do the work of the ministry. I read it in Ephesians and chapter 4. I'm saying to you right now, if you're born again, baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, that power that Jesus operated with is in you and on you right now. No difference. So I'm coming down the street. I said, hey, I just came to Chicago, start church, came with $200, no place to stay. Today we're preaching to a billion people a week and all over the world. Now watch this. Coming down the street, going to my friend's office on LaSalle Street, busy street, noontime, where, where uh, kind of like Wall Street. Saw all that commotion over across the street, a homeless guy swinging at people. Next thing you know, I said, something said to me, go over there to him. I kept walking, minding my own business. I said, I, I'm not, that thing look wild over there. I'm not going to pick a fight with nobody here. And something said, go over there to him. And I looked behind me, and a gentleman about 10 paces was looking at me as if he heard the same thing I heard. So it made me feel kind of convicted. I said, okay, I'm going to go. Looked to see if anything was coming in the street. LaSalle Street is a very wide street. I stepped out in the street, and as soon as my foot hit that street, the power of God rose up in me, and I could see how David could slay a lion and a bear and take anything by its neck. I'm telling you, you have something comes on you that you feel yes. invincible, completely like nothing can ever hurt you. I mean, I've never felt that. I, I, this thing took over me. I got on the other side of that street where the commotion was, and people had a big, big circle form there. And, and, and I start, I squared off at the guy. He was about 15 paces in front of me, and the demons in him saw the Christ in me. And this is the way he did just like that. Everybody was looking at him, and, and I, I kept walking. And as I walked towards him, looked like the whole place opened up, just like the Red Sea. And then I walked forward, and then his shoulders shrunk, and then, because he was a big, tall man, and he, he looked homeless, and then I put my arm around his shoulder, and people were looking. Why? Because the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I said, what's your problem? He said, they stole my cigarettes. I said, my friend, don't be concerned about it. I said, come with me. Come and introduce him to Jesus and so forth. I'm telling you that many times we've walked away when we should be we walking towards these things. And we've got to understand that we're not only owners but stewards of this earth. We're the ones that got to be responsible for what's passed in legislation. We're the ones that's being responsible for feeding the poor. Don't be looking at the government. The church should be rich enough to take care of all the poor. 
So what am I saying to you? This is your season. I came to announce that whatever's been harassing you, this is the last night you're going through it. That there's something now that's going to come on you because you can see that the anointing can be transferred. My speaking is not just something that you're hearing with your ears. There's an impartation taking place right here as I speak. And you're going to see tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to feel different. There's going to be something about you that's going to be different, and it's going to be that way from now on. God bless you. Keep walking by faith. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Yep. Come up here, young lady. And what happened to you while Brother Bill was preaching? It started with you Sunday. When you, I was at home watching live stream, and I've been diagnosed with two brain tumors, needing a shoulder and ball replaced, a back surgery. I need that, and nobody will touch me because the brain tumors, they won't put me out. And I just kept getting weaker and weaker. Couldn't even come to church anymore. I made an appointment to, to talk with Pastor Phyllis, and then I thought, no, I don't need to. I'll just keep praying. I storm every day through the house with the word. Greater is he that's in me. I'm the head, not the tail. Nothing formed against me shall prosper. And every time that enemy says, if you just quit leading people to the Lord, or if you just quit passing out scripture, I'll leave you alone. And so I don't lead somebody to the Lord. And then another thing would come on me. But Sunday morning you said, there's somebody with tumors. And if you'll come down here right now, I'm not allowed to drive on interstate. I got out in that car and I drove and I come right down that aisle. I got here just as you were closing the altar, but I got that healing. When I came in here tonight, I couldn't lift this arm because I need a new shoulder, but I got one. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Now we're going to do a couple of things. First, we're going to receive an offering for the man of God tonight. And uh, you know, the man of God, when he comes with the mantle, he comes with something supernatural that certainly cannot be honored just by mere material things. And uh, some, sometimes people, the church sometimes is as is worldly as the world Bible tells us that we're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in the Gentile seed is far more than you just receiving money if you think that is just a money exchange that that is the lowest part of existence and totem pole the Bible says now this is what the Bible says it's amazing if you read it but sometimes we've got so many carnal locks on our brain that we never see the systematic work of trusting and believing in God. But the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. Oh, I know that, preacher. I wish to God we all knew it because there'd be no need. We don't know it. Just, let's just say, I observed that one time. But if we believed it and embraced it as a way of life, There'll be no need left in the church. And then it says, and when 
God gives seed to the sower. Now, if you don't sow, God will just quit wasting seed. But God gives seed to the sower. He multiplies. And he says, and he gives bread for your daily being. In other words, while your harvest is at work, and it's guaranteed, God doesn't lie, that God is providing for your daily needs. And then he says, he multiplies the seed sown. That's where everybody gets happy. No, 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 no. That's not the fullness. Number four is the fullness of God's circle. And so then it says this, and God will increase the fruits of your righteousness. Not you, God. In other words, there is divine transformation that takes place when you are sowing a seed and systematically invoking God to be a part of your life. He gets involved. Not only does he become supplier of seed, he becomes supplier of your daily need. Then he becomes the provider of your harvest and then he becomes the master of the transformation of your life listen your seed is far more than financial exchange it's just please what would you give a god who has built the foundation of the city on emeralds and jewels and carbon what would you give him how do you you can't even fish in his pond. The gate is made of one pearl. That's one big oyster. Hello? God doesn't need anything from man. What he needs is that man lets him be involved in the process of transforming man from himself into a God-likeness or the Christ man. Come on, Jesus in us, the hope of unveiling God in his fullness. Remember, God was in Christ. Now Christ is in us. God was in Christ unveiling the invisible God. Now we unveil the resurrected invisible Christ to the world. The church is the light of the world. The church is a reflection of Jesus Christ. But tonight as you sow a seed, I believe that God is going to increase that seed because on every different types of ground, seeds produce. Amen? And I believe tonight that Bill Winston's ground is good ground. Amen? And so when good ground is available, we want to sow. Amen? Hallelujah. So get your seed ready. Get your offering ready. Make it payable to Only Believe Ministries Christian Center. We aren't going to take any of it. Hallelujah. We're going to give it to the man of God. And uh, we wouldn't want to steal any of that anyway. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, so let's get it ready. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I agree. I bring my faith in to an agreement with everybody that's sowing a seed. And that God, as they will reap a harvest and their lives will be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Stand your feet and bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord.